0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. I'm expressing with my full capabilities.
0: Now I'm living in correctional facilities Cause some don't agree with how I do this I get straight and meditate like a Buddhist I'm dropping flavor, my behavior is hereditary But my technique
1: is very... Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Flying V Anaheim Ducks podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network your number one sports podcast network in Southern California the only place with a show for every team in the area and more we believe in our teams, do you believe? So Kent and I are back over the phone for from uh, me in Manhattan Beach, him in Orange County, to talk some Ducks hockey. It's been a while. Ken, how you doing?
0: I'm good. It's good to be back. Sorry uh, for my, uh, my hi- hiatus there and our, our one attempted uh, episode at the, at the coffee shop. We uh, <laughs> ran into a, a scheduling uh, conflict with the, the coffee shop there, but uh, you guys did a, a great job there. and It's good to be back with you this week.
1: Absolutely, and we've had a lot going on since our last episode that we recorded together. The trade deadline's come and gone. The Ducks have played some more consistent hockey, I think, including games against Toronto, Minnesota, and tonight's game against the Senators. And then the Bob Murray had a hockey hot stove that they called it, hosted by uh, – Brian Hayward, the color commentary, and, and then Murray took some questions from fans. Um, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then for the three stars, it's going to be favorite types of hockey plays. So not an individual play or, or a highlight that you can remember from a game, but just the type of play that you like. Uh, so I think that's where we're going to go. Sound good?
0: Sounds great. I love it
1: absolutely so let's get to this trade deadline talk again uh kyle Shahara from uh from the ducks uh he gave us his impressions but uh kent overall what, what were your impressions from the trade deadline
0: i mean i thought there were some probably tough uh moves from uh like an emotional fan standpoint obviously with this this season that uh Derek grant was having and then um to, to see uh, to see, caution moved as well. I know that um, that was a stinger for uh, for some people out there, and um, yeah, I mean it's always a, a difficult thing. And I think uh, as the season unfolds, um, I think it's usually the GM and and scouting staff, and you know everyone will kind of <clears throat> get together and, and kind of decide i ultimately it's in the the gm's hands but everyone kind of has a say and and their two cents about uh yeah what the 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 big picture is and what uh, kind of the end goals for finishing out this year and you're kind of mixing in a bit of uh you know some reality about where the team's likely going to finish and and what you want to do um to kind of get yourself to the finish line this year, but more importantly in the Ducks case of what you're going to do um, to kind of set set yourself up from a salary cap um, structure kind of moving forward for the next two, three years. And then uh, take a look at what you've got um, as far as draft picks for the next two, three seasons and see if you can kind of add to that when, when the, you know, the, the writing's kind of, on the wall that uh, the playoffs aren't looking too likely um, this year. But, uh, I mean, I, I always love to see that. when, um, As a fan of the organization who just wants uh, nothing but the best for uh, for, uh, for an organization that, that treated me uh, phenomenally well and has always been great and continues to do great things, so you want to see nothing but the best for them. So, I, I mean, I just love seeing – um you know guys getting moved who who uh you know maybe going to going to great teams and getting themselves a nice uh, opportunity to kind of uh, play into the playoffs when the kind of scouting and uh and the the notoriety and and everything as the teams the number of teams dwindle the the exposure kind of gets saturated so if you can kind of crack uh a conference final or even a conference semifinal or you know scouts are still working in those into those uh, late spring months and they've got nowhere else to go so everyone's going to the games everyone's watching the same players so if you can get in some team's line of sight it's good for the player because it, it can kind of open some doors as far as free agency and future contracts and getting seen by teams that might not necessarily get as good a luck um add them otherwise and then i think for the ducks being able to add some youth and some speed and um some kind of young talent and yeah most importantly for me is the draft picks i think those are so huge these days and um yeah i I think all the deals made sense some were some were tough for sure, but I like what they got back
1: on uh, for what they gave yeah, up. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think that I think a lot of people who are frustrated about the Kasha trade uh, really overlooked the point that it, he's. I mean, he's. It's kind of the whole fancy stats thing. He had great underlying numbers, and he looked. he, he was very spectacular at times on the ice because he clearly had skill. But I mean, you can't. He was injured a lot. He wasn't putting up the numbers that the Ducks needed him to put up. Maybe a change of scenery would have helped. And if it took taking on David Bax's contract and trading away um, Andre Kasha to get a first round pick, I mean so be it. That's that's what you need to you need to compile those picks. Uh, the Ducks got a few, um, so two for, they got total they're gonna finish with two first rounders. I think they're gonna have a couple fourths. Um, so they, they did accumulate some trades, There are some draft picks, Derek, uh, Derek Grant, uh, that trade was, uh, tough. I, I can totally understand why they did it. But, uh, apparently, um, if the whole hockey hot stove thing we're going to talk about later is to be believed, he might be back, uh, as a free agent. So we'll see there. Um, and then Sonny Milano, he's been kind of quiet recently, but I like that, uh, kind of a scratch ticket trade. I call it where. It's a high ceiling guy who maybe with the new new surroundings can play well. And I don't Nick Ritchie never really moved the needle for me. Uh, I I think um, I know they didn't trade him for for Milano, but uh, I just never really seemed to uh, seem to to convert when he had a lot of chances in front of the net. I know that's tough. And uh, strangely enough, both he and Kasha end up on the team I grew up rooting for in Boston. So uh, it's yeah. interesting. Um. Uh, the funny thing to me recently is that Backus got a point before Kasha did he got a, a game before Kasha I think got his first assist which or first point which is an assist for the Bruins uh, Backus got an assist on that tip uh, that Carter Rowney scored yep. a couple nights ago so I thought that was kind of funny
0: <laughs> yeah that's kind of a a neat little um, kind of throw in kind of subplot of, of all the trades going on it was uh, kind of what had been going on with uh Bacchus in in Boston. Um I think we might have mentioned it last time we were talking, but yeah, I actually played with David in St. Louis and uh great guy, a great player. Obviously, um with the with all the trends kind of being towards youth and speed, it's kind of uh you know made some guys kind of a little uh I don't know less valued as they were in the past but I think he's always a great player and a great teammate and I mean you talk about an athlete and just a tough spot I mean I think whether you're uh I don't know I know I don't know I don't want this to come off weird or anything but I I think it one of the hardest thing I think for him in the Boston situation where like you just not like as an athlete, you're still a human being. I mean, whether you're a kid on the playground or um, an athlete at the highest level, there's still like remove all, strip away all the, the money and the implications and the contracts and all that stuff. It's still the main thing fueling these guys is the competitiveness and the, and the will and the desire to be, um as good as they can possibly be and compete against the best and that's what kind of drives so to have a a scenario where you're i mean he's not not like that i mean i guess by today's standards he's he's kind of on the older side but um you know he's not ancient or anything and to be in a position where to go from the the role he was filling and with the blues is I'm not sure if he was captain. He might've been captain, but he was just one of the, one of the leaders of of that team for sure. For a lot of years, that was a great team, great teams they had there. Um, and while I was there, he was definitely one of the leaders and, uh, in the community as well. Like just a, a great guy. And, um, so, yeah, I think that's going to be tough when you go from that and then uh, sign the the big ticket to go to, to Boston and other great organizations and to have, have things kind of work out how they are where you just feel, like, uh, unwanted and just kind of sitting on the, the sidelines and not even being able to go play in the minors, which, like, at least you can go compete and get some reps in and practice or – to just be kind of in purgatory like that had to be uh a really tough situation so um yeah i guess that was kind of the the idea that the ducks take on some of that salary but i love plugging them into the lineup and, and seeing them out there and i i saw them at uh ducks and tucks a great event put on by the ducks and a bunch of local uh chefs kind of fundraiser at honda center and and uh, yeah, I mean, you could see the excitement in him. He was um, just hoping to to get an opportunity to get back out on the ice. And um yeah, I don't I don't think he was even uh, he wasn't playing in the minors in Boston, and I'm not sure if he was even skating there. So to go from that and then get back on the ice uh, for what had to be probably two or three skates with the Ducks, and then go right into a game and. Uh, yeah, to, to get an assist and to, to chip in, and then he had another couple of assists uh, tonight. Uh, I mean, it's that's that's awesome to see, and I'm sure that means a lot uh, to him personally, and to at least showcase that, you know, what you kind of believe you you always believe you can still play, and I'm sure he feels that way too. And to kind of have that validated, going out and getting three points in five games, and, and showing you can still compete at this level, and. You still got, uh, you still got contributions left. I'm sure that's got to feel good for him, and it was cool to see.
1: Yeah, I was curious about that too. Um, I'm guessing he chose just not to report to the AHL when they when they wait when the Bruins waived him, uh, or I don't know. Or is there a rule that said that he couldn't go down there just because of what his contract was?
0: No, I think it was. Um from what I kind of understood, I did some research into it and just kind of tried to read some articles, but it seemed like, uh, I think you would have probably welcome, not welcome, but, uh, as opposed to just sitting, doing nothing to at least go to the, go to the miners and stay in shape. Cause it seemed like they'd kind of reached that point where a, a trade was, a the only kind of way forward for both parties and, uh, kind of my understanding was that it was kind of just uh, the way things worked out and um, they basically didn't uh, had him as uh, kind of an asset uh, and didn't want him to go somewhere and and get hurt and then not be able to move him kind of thing. So um, I I think it was just a complicated situation and one that you don't really see too often because – I mean, I think guys that are kind of getting up in their career. That's not that uncommon now to get kind of sent to the minors and kind of have to go and, and try to work your way back and that kind of thing and and fill in maybe uh, a bit of a leadership role and kind of pay it forward a little bit to some of the young guys coming up and just the, the the lay of the land these days, is not that uncommon. So I think I, I don't think it was a scenario where he just refused to report. I think it was, I think it was something else.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the the injury thing, um, yeah. but either way, it's good to see him get on the board again tonight and and kind of get a little bit of a hot streak going. Um, but let's take that into the uh, the Toronto game from from a few days back. The Ducks uh get the two to one win. Uh, Backus get, like we were talking about, gets his first point before Andre Kasha gets his first point in Boston. Uh, the, the Ducks really, I felt outplayed, uh, outplayed Toronto, which to me is mind boggling how Toronto's played recently. Uh, having lost all three games to the all California teams who are have been struggling to say the least, and um, I mean, if Florida gets their act together, uh, it's uh, it's going to be a problem for Toronto. I think. Try. I didn't check the scores. I think Toronto won tonight. I think they beat the Lightning. Um, but uh, let's see. Yeah, they beat the Lightning 2-1, to one, so I think they're back ahead of the Panthers by three points or so. But um, really coming to California and being out-competed by all three California teams is not a good sign for them. Meanwhile, the Ducks, I'm curious, uh, as a former player, and when you hear the kind of cliche, the the, the playing spoiler – does that really enter your mind uh, when your team is not in it and you're in the in the playoff race? Does it really? Do you really go into a game thinking like unless it's a rival? I would understand if it were the Kings or the Sharks or the or the Ducks. Who I mean, having you having played for the Sharks and. And ducks. I can understand if it's if you're trying to kind of spoil your rival's opportunity to make the playoffs. But like, let's say the Toronto's coming into to Anaheim. I mean, it's an East Eastern Conference opponent. They only play each other twice a year. Are the guys in the locker room? You think really going into the game like let's 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 ruin this guys these guys chance of making the playoffs? Let's make it harder for them. Let's try to knock them out. Or or is it just a more of a, hey this team's good? Let's have a good performance. Let's 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 play with some pride.
0: Yeah, I think it's more of the latter, where it's just like, yeah, we know this is a, a good team and uh, a team that always gets a lot of uh, fanfare and media coverage in the hockey world, and um, especially uh, up in Canada, and uh, just uh, you know, an original six team. That yeah, like I say, it's it's one of the, if not, I mean them or montreal as far as Canada is concerned is the you know would be the two most storied franchises and um so yeah i mean to to play uh i i always i mean i guess i'm from ontario but it was always cool playing against the leafs and uh i mean i'm from ottawa so i always love beating the leafs a little bit extra <laughs> um but uh that was for kind of personal reasons but um as far as I don't know, playing spoiler with a kind of out of conference opponent it doesn't. I think it's more so, yeah. Just a, as a competitor, and you know they're a good team with a lot of skill, and it's a good challenge. And um, you know, guys are kind of playing to make impressions with a, with a new team, or for next year, or uh, you know, the a, a team that's not necessarily. Um, I don't know, I, I guess you can't really say they haven't performed expectations. Cause I think this was kind of a non-expectation type year for the Ducks. But um, anytime you're not really in contention, I think everyone kind of wonders about their their job. And everyone, I mean, people love playing in Anaheim and people want to be here. And um, So I think just personally and as a competitor, i think that's what's kind of fueling it more than uh ruining it for someone else although like if the game got started and there's any kind of chippiness that's always always can creep in as an added incentive to uh you know screw these guys like let's yeah let's rain on their parade here and i i think always like the more the hype the kind of more you want to beat a team like that too
1: Absolutely, and so the ducks get the uh, the ducks get the win over in that uh, against Toronto, and, and a, a pretty good performance overall. Uh, then they come back, they play the Minnesota Wild, uh, really back and forth game with the Wild win in overtime. Uh, I'm curious, did you get a chance to see that goalie interference play on Ryan Miller? Uh, uh, well, uh, do you think it uh, deserved to be upheld as a goal, or do you think it was kind of a bad call? Uh
0: it was borderline. Like, I I wouldn't have been surprised. I feel like I've seen less, uh, like, seen goals called back for less. But I don't think it really impacted the play that much. It was just kind of a funny play, the way the – I think it was that the play. It was like uh, – I think it was a shot block and then went right back on the guy's tape. And then – Um, I don't know I probably have to watch it a couple times that was my first reaction was that yeah I mean I wouldn't be shocked if they called this back but they probably won't and I don't know I don't think it, it really impacted the play I think it was more kind of incidental but I don't know. What, what what was your
1: take on it? Yeah, I mean, I thought it could have been called a, a goalie interference. I mean, it was Zuccarello who who kind of made the pass over the shot. It got blocked and went back to him. And I forgot who it was who uh, interfered with um, or technically inter- it collided with Miller. Uh, but I, I guess yeah. his I guess his left his right skate was a little bit out of the crease, out of the blue paint. So you can you can say right there that it was. Uh, it was a little bit of a uh, – I guess he was outside of the area where he would be protected, and uh, it was – but on the other hand, I forget the guy who – I forget who it was that collided with him or, or kind of interfer- – Galchenyuk? Yeah, it was Galchenyuk. Galchenyuk uh, didn't have to go – I mean, he didn't have to be that close. Like, he he wasn't forced yeah. in. He didn't have his, uh, his progress impeded. He wasn't pushed into Miller, so – it kind of felt like I mean it was a little more intentional than it looked. Um, yep. But then, like you said, it was it was almost inconsequential. Miller was just so out of position, having that having that pass kind of blocked, and not knowing. I mean, not being able to predict that that was going to happen. That it didn't feel like he was going to be able to get back there anyway. But I don't know. I, I think it could have been called goalie interference.
0: Yeah, I'd be curious to, to ask uh, Miller about that because, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess he was out of position, but that would be your push leg that the guy took out, like – That would be the leg you'd be pushing off to get back to the other side. So if someone takes off that leg, maybe that's why he was so out of position. I don't know. I'd be curious to to ask him and get his take on it. Maybe watch it a couple more times myself.
1: Yeah. Uh, And then other things I noticed from that game, I mean, just kind of the whole season, we talk about trends and stuff like that. This season, I've really noticed how Jacob Silverberg has really mastered that low. I mean, you always see the uh, people kind of glorifying high shots, uh, like up in the corners, barred down. But Silverberg has really mastered that low shot, sometimes through a, a defender, kind of either between the legs or up over the pad and under the arm of, of opposing goalies. It's crazy how often he scores on that shot. Have you, have you noticed that?
0: I yeah now that you mention it I have and that's a really hard um, I mean that's a pinpoint shot but you do see uh, a lot of his goals and he, he does have that kind of knack of just kind of zipping it right through that little window of yeah either the defenseman's legs or just kind of over the shin pad or between the stick and the, the shin just kind of yeah, he really has a A good ability to kind of drag the puck a little bit till he can um, find some daylight to get it through, and then when you're shooting through a screen, and uh, you know the kind of the goalie's first impulse is to go down, and when you kind of go down and get your, uh, you know, go to manipulate your gloves, and the the instinct is to kind of grab, and it's funny that just with that little extension. Uh, you know, I'm sure that, that comes from doing it in practice, uh, thousands and thousands of times, I'm sure, but that was, uh, I don't know the, the knowledge, my, uh, my knowledge inside the mind of, uh, of a goal scorer, isn't that
1: great, but, uh, <laughs> I, I gotta thank you. You hear guys talk
0: and, um, a lot of guys talk about, um, shooting low, and I think it's one of those things where, yeah, shooting high is always kind of – I don't know why it's weird, but it does kind of look cool, like especially if you can go bar and in or bar down, and those always, like – those always look the best. But shooting low is just kind of functional. Like you you either get, like, five-hole or, like, the trickle-through goals or, yeah, those, those armpit goals, you seem to be seeing, you know, more and more of those. But yeah, he's definitely, uh, definitely perfected it. And I wonder if that's, uh, if that is where you got to think. That's where he's purposely kind of shooting it. It's kind of a, a, the the gap of the, you know, down the side of the body to hopefully s- sneak through there, which is crazy the accuracy these guys have but uh but yeah i i have noticed that yeah it's a good a good pickup by
1: you thanks i mean they do preach that to you when you're even as like minor hockey when you're really young is to shoot low hit the pads generate rebound if, if the goalie's gonna catch it with his glove or direct it if he has the ability to direct it away with his blocker he's got a lot more ability to change the angle and either tie up the puck or deflect it behind the net whereas a, a pad shot or a shot kind of low into the arms it's harder for them to collect it so that makes sense too if he's trying to generate some more offense that way and and uh i mean he knows he can he can score that way and at worst case scenario he's going to get a rebound so um yeah. yeah smart just a smart player shows just kind of what a heady player silverberg is and he's been fun to watch for sure over the past two seasons even if the ducks have been struggling um yeah and, and, and another thing that's been good to see, especially in the Minnesota game, is new guys scoring. Christian Jews gets his first goal with the Ducks uh, from the point, and then uh, Danton Heinen scores again. So uh, I think, I mean, even though they're not really able to help in a playoff push, it, it's a good sign that they're scoring. I mean, they're doing what they're supposed to. So uh, hopefully we'll see more of them next season now that there's right, really less than a month to go.
0: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know that much about um, the juice defenseman at his time in Washington. I, I feel like, um, but yeah, I mean, talking about Silverberg, that pass to, on the juice goal was uh, <laughs> unbelievable.
1: Yeah,
0: like, kind of no look, threading it through the defenseman's legs. So there wasn't much daylight there, right on the tape, uh, and for the kind of the. Uh, was it the offside one time that was a good shot um by juice so i think uh yeah i'll be curious to see kind of how, how that works out over the next couple of years Because i think uh i just just from watching him he seems like a, a good player so i think that'll be uh that'll be good to watch him i think um, speaking of young defensemen, i think we've seen some some good stuff um from Larson I think is he continues to to grow and develop and probably a couple more um summers and a couple more years of physical development I I think uh you know sometimes uh like just size-wise there's some some issues as far as like physical battles and that kind of thing but I think he's still a, a pretty heady heady defenseman and you know you like to see just his uh the signs of him carrying the puck up the ice and jumping up and making some some good stuff happen offensively and and uh, I think he's just got the right demeanor. So like I say, as he fills out, I think we'll start to to see his effectiveness as a defenseman is only going to increase.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he is still relatively young and and small and uh in terms of body mass. Uh, and back going back to Juice, I, I think the thing I like about him subtly, if he can maintain his uh, success and stay up in the NHL over the next couple of years is, I'm not sure how long his contract is with the Ducks, but uh, um, his playoff experience. I mean, he won a cup with the Capitals and, and played, I think, right. in, in, every, in every game in that run. So that's pretty invaluable for a young t- a team that's getting younger in Anaheim, yeah. having a young guy who can, who can kind of speak from experience in, in that type of situation when they do get there. Yeah, great point. Before we talk about the Ducks win over the Senators, let's talk about home security. There's two ways you can go about protecting your home. You can wait weeks for a technician to do a messy install that costs a fortune, or you can get Simply Safe, the two-time winner of the CNET Editor's Choice Award. Simply Safe blankets your whole home in safety. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone who's approaching. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard the inside. You can set up the system all by yourself and it only takes 30 minutes. You'll have an army of highly trained security experts ready to, dis- to dispatch police in a moment's notice 24-7, and it only costs 50 cents a day with no contracts. Go to simplysafecom slash team today, and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure to go to simplysafecom slash team. That's simplysafecom slash team. Um, and uh, then off to today's game, a, uh, a very... A pretty impressive victory, with uh, not in terms necessarily of uh, of how the Ducks played. They, I think they were, uh, I mean, they won five to two, but really uh, felt like they were they were dominated at times by the Senators. They got outshot forty-two to fifteen, so that's pretty one-sided. And, and in those fifteen shots, Nicolas Delorier scores three goals in a span of nine minutes in the first period to be the uh, I think that is the fastest hat trick uh, in terms of time that it was completed in Ducks history, which is a pretty impressive. And Delorier, uh, really, I think, making a case for the new fan favorite after Derek Grant's been shipped out of town.
0: Yeah, what a story! I mean, coming out of uh, camp, just a, an unheralded signing, uh, and you know, just a great pickup, and it's just continued to. He's all, you know, he's started the season off well kind of in and out of the lineup but was effective and noticeable when he was in and then just kind of did it the hard way and um fighting tough guys every night uh not an easy way to do it but he's done it and done it well and and more than held his own and created a lot of uh a lot of energy for the for the rest of the guys and for the fans and for uh, the atmosphere at Honda Center and I think just uh, plays hard every night finishes check, checks every shift does all the dirty work and to see it uh, yeah culminate in in a, a nice extension for him and, and to to really solidify his spot as as part of the team and their plans for the next couple of years and just a great cut kind to of have around and. And to have that happen tonight, it was, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really happy for him. That's, uh, that's, he's earned every bit of what he's gotten here. And I think as, uh, you know, a guy who's been around in myself and you always like to see the guys um, who work hard and pay their dues and, and do the dirty work, get, get rewarded uh, with, with, yeah, nice extension and a natural hat trick. How about that? That's
1: crazy. But, yeah, good for him. He uh, To me, he's kind of a throwback. I mean, not a throwback that far, but kind of a, a newer version of Sean Thornton. I mean, he Thornton had the ability to score. He, I mean, was definitely not afraid to punch people in the face. Uh, really, yeah. really was part of a strong. I mean, was part of the Ducks Stanley Cup back in 2007, and the Bruins in yeah. 2011 made up really a strong fourth line uh, when he was in the lineup. And I think Delorier is is very similar, uh, just in terms of his game. He, he can, see if you set him up in the right spot, he can score. He's not he's not completely devoid of skills that can that can help the team when he's not fighting. And and tonight really showed uh what he's capable of so uh that was kind of a that came to mind when i was watching delorier today
0: yeah it's a good comparison i never knew he was uh i think i might have played against him or i think he was just kind of coming up when i was uh you know my last couple of years and i was winding it down but he uh um, yeah, I never knew he was uh, this tough. Like he has fought some some tough tough guys this year and and done more than well. Like he's, I, I I can't say he's come up on the the wrong end of too many fights, which is impressive. During the number of times he's squared off with of guys this year, and uh, but yeah, I mean he's got a great great shot, and I I think uh, yeah, one thing one of the the best things too is I mean he can skate he's fast he gets around well and can get in and finish hits and and uh, yeah you kind of have to do that to, to be able to uh, to stay in the lineup nowadays and and he's just when you you have a multifaceted game like that and you can bring a lot of different things to the table. I think that's uh, it's been impressive and, and glad he's going to be here for another couple of years at least.
1: Yeah, I am looking up this the uh, the tail of the tape right now. Would, I know uh, obviously it's never gonna happen because Thornton's retired, but I mean they're, they're comparable. I mean Thornton's six six feet, just a little over six feet, two seventeen. Delorier, same thing, weighs two hundred and nineteen pounds. So I mean their their similarities are, are multiple. So uh, I can see and and he was loved in Boston when, when Thornton played there. So I can see that Delor why Delorier... Uh, has become so popular in such a short amount of time in Anaheim. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to add about that uh, that Senators game tonight before we talk a little Bob Murray?
0: Uh, yeah, I think it was just interesting. The Ducks kind of uh, – I feel like they've been on the wrong end of a lot of games like this. Like they kind of flipped the script tonight. Um, like a lot of times this year I feel like they outshot teams and carried the play and would wind up in a – the the rock side of a 5-2 or even 6-2, 6-1 type of game. So I, I think, uh, yeah, my poor uh, hometown uh, Senators are having a, a tough season, but some some good reasons for for optimism there too, some good young players. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think nice to see it, it even out once in a while, uh, you know, getting outshot. But I think also once you get up, score that many goals in the first period. Um, You know, there's a tendency for the rest of the game that you're not really necessarily uh, worried about giving up a lot of shots. It's more just kind of keeping it simple and giving up shots are okay, but just try and limit the grade A's and kind of, uh, it seemed like they just kind of not coast to the finish line, but just knew the lay of the land and, they they had what they needed to to get a win tonight and um yeah but i don't know i just good to see him come out on a score like that as opposed to how this the rest of the year has gone
1: absolutely so let's get into a little uh, uh bob murray discussion um so that he just held this hockey hot stove where he basically I, hosted i the, can't
0: wait for this
1: yeah well it's kind of strange i mean it, I, I, hopefully it's not disappointing Because the uh, I mean, I'll mean i reference the outlet that I got it from And when I first read it uh, Basically what it was It, it appears to have been uh, Basically a round table Or an a, a open discussion Hosted by Brian Hayward Where he was asking Bob Murray some questions And then Murray took questions from the fans And it was basically done for the season ticket holders The Orange Alliance From yeah. what I can tell but the outlet yeah. who did it is the the Ducks and Pucks um, outlet from the Puck Network. And it's – the way they did it, I don't know if maybe they didn't – if the Ducks didn't allow people to post direct quotes from from the event or if, the, if they just paraphrased only for, for a certain reason. But a lot of this comes paraphrased, so I don't know what the tone was and how, how it was said. Um, but uh, just some interesting points from uh, – from Murray, uh, the one that stood out the most uh, to me was his uh, talking about um, basically one timers, and and uh, he said, uh, "This is this is the quote from Ducks and Pucks. It's not from Murray directly, but I guess it's paraphrasing what Murray said." He said Murray wouldn't mention any player names of, in free agency, but he had. This is referencing who he might be looking for in free agency, but he has. Uh, several that he's currently looking at. He really wants someone that has a good one-timer from the blue line. He said, we'll be looking for shooters in the draft. Some of our guys just can't shoot one-timers. It boggles my mind. Another fan <laughs> stated she was tired of extra passes, and Murray agreed. He's a shoot-first kind of guy, he added. Is that, I mean, was he that forward with you guys? Uh, I, I don't, <laughs> boggling, I mean, it just seems like a, it's something we have noticed over the season that they, they haven't been able to uh, – Kind of shoot as many one-timers in situations, especially the power play, that you think it would make sense. And and Hayward in his color commentary has, has mentioned it a few times. But it, I mean, as a player, if your general manager is that forward about something, is that does that kind of bother you? How how, how did you react to that?
0: Uh, I don't know. I think that, that would never get uh, communicated from the mouth of the GM directly to the player that would probably go through a couple filters, uh, and probably more look like uh, an assistant coach grabbing <laughs> a couple of the, the defensemen, uh, after practices wind out and feed them about a hundred one timers. And then, uh, and then just kind of work on that, uh, daily basically. Mm. And, and uh, maybe incorporate it into practice and uh, just a a higher volume of uh, one-time shots. But I don't – yeah, I I guess that that is – it's all relative. You know, everyone can one-time a puck. But, I mean, one-time a puck at the NHL level when you get the velocity of an NHL pass and, like, the ability to – to get good wood on it if it's not um, sitting flat. Like, there's a lot of nuances to it. And, I mean, there, there's guys that – it's true. There, there's guys that can just flat out uh, shoot the puck and whether they have other kind of uh, – not always, like – obviously, there's guys like uh, Weber and Char with uh, – 120 mile an hour slap shot. I, that's not necessarily um, what he's talking about, but I think yeah, just the ability to. Like, I, I don't know. I think of a guy like um, you know Brent Burns. Who I, I always kind of marvel at that ability to get shots off and get shots through to the net because I know it's from experience how hard that is and it just these guys uh, that's a guy who makes it look easy and uh, but yeah being able to get it get good wood off a shot whether you're off your back foot front foot whether the puck's rolling whether it's uh you know basically for me when i play i mean i can one time it but it basically had to be kind of perfect right in the wheelhouse right like right in the Right. right spot I that was not one of my uh, strong suits, but then you had a guy like uh, Prongs, like pronger If it was anywhere within his area code, he could get wood on it and get it to the net with velocity. You know, so I, I think it is a skill. It's a learned skill. It's a practice skill, and some guys are are just kind of have a knack for it. So I think that's probably. I'm I'm not surprised to hear that. I think you would think given the fact that at the, the NHL everyone would be an elite level one-timer, but it, it is that kind of nuance of a skill. And the, the guys are uh, elite at it. Are, it's a pretty special, special kind of skill. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, highly, high, highly valued, obviously, for a, a power play scenario. So I think that's why you could probably – have your eye on on a pinpoint on a or and pinpoint a handful of guys who you are looking at cuz it really is it's not as not a widespread still as you would think
1: yeah i mean it totally makes sense that i mean if it were there would be a lot more guys making those shots on the from the top of the circle like pastrnak and ovechkin and the, it just it, it is really a few it's a trademark play that you only see a few guys do so uh, I get that um, grant uh, Murray also apparently mentioned he'd be interested in bringing grant back in free agency uh, So I wonder if there's a kind of back-channel communication going on there
0: uh, when I when I saw that deal. That's what immediately came to my mind was that I, I would not be surprised at all I mean They've done it before and I think that's the great thing about trading these guys as rentals. I mean He's a guy who had had success in Anaheim. You know this the same coach is going to be there next year. Everything's going to be the same. And coming back to Anaheim, and it's not a tough sell. So I uh, I would be surprised to, to see that happen. I know he's got. Yeah, he, uh, he did the same thing with those auto last year. And uh, you know, I think there's familiarity there on both sides. The one the one kind of game changer would probably be. Um, yeah, if. Grant's play kind of continues to where it is and I think he's doing well and uh, carried right on doing what he was doing and with the Flyers, too, who have been on this insane streak. So if if he keeps it up and get you know, plays into uh, May and June, uh, you know, the the contract that he's fetching come July might might be out of the price range. But I don't know, I, I hope it works out it would be great
1: to have kind got of like that back absolutely i wonder if any if any of our listeners happen to be in the real estate market uh in orange county if you know uh if you know if he if i mean i don't even know if he was renting or owning and you know, wherever he was living and if he, if he sold his place or if he's kept it but uh um or put it on the market but that might be a clue that's uh Certainly, what yeah. everybody's looking at with the Tom Brady watching football now. Everybody's like, he He's got a property in Las Vegas, so he's gonna play there. So uh, that'd be an interesting thing to see. Um, yeah. The other thing that I I thought I saw it somewhere in reference to this hot hot stove. Uh, when I first read the comments, it was on it was on Twitter at like eight in the morning. I was kind of rubbing my eyes and. Uh, somebody was was kind of paraphrasing the same way from uh, and I think he said I think Murray admitted like he's not necessarily trying to to win games which doesn't seem like something that would come out of his mouth and I haven't been able to find it since I saw it the other morning so I don't want to say that that's take that with a grain of salt I don't think that's necessarily uh, I don't know if he necessarily did say that but another kind of strange thing that struck me um. When I read it originally.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, I think the, you know, the paraphrase could probably get a little creative with that. But I mean, I, from my, like, my personal take on it is, I don't, I would kind of, if that is something along the lines of what he said, I would probably agree mm-hmm. that winning isn't really the top priority right now It'd be more about uh like young guys continuing to develop and um just kind of the way the way they're playing uh, just habits things being instilled uh just kind of continuing to compete the way they have this year and just um just kind of aligning things. Yeah, the, the big picture is way more important than wins, especially right now when you're out of it. And it, it's almost, you know, no one wants to say it, but it's almost better if you, from a morale standpoint, wins are better. From a from a big picture standpoint, losses are better <laughs> because <laughs> you get you get a, a, the better chance at a higher draft pick and a better player for the next you know, five, 10 years. So uh, if there's, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. And I, I know the guys, you want to see the guys working hard out there, have success and, and get wins and everything like that. But uh, it's kind of like I. either way, it's, uh, it's, it's fine at this point.
1: Yeah. yeah. Agreed. So let's get to the, uh, the three stars to wrap things up. So today we're going to, Go over our three favorite types of plays in hockey uh, that you like to see on TV or or in person or I uh, can I mean, I guess when you were playing, plays that really, if you were part of it, you really got your your uh, got you going. Um, so I, I guess I'll I'll quickly go through mine. Uh, number one is the uh, the solid open ice body check. That's always. I mean, that's going away more and more in this game where or someone's going to get clipped in the head or something like that. So it's always fun to see the real solid body contact, open ice, chest, shoulder to chest, and if it, if there's a little bit of incidental head contact because the player's head is down, I mean, that's I'm, I'm okay with that, I, but I just like the solid, solid checks like that. Dustin Bufflin would always have a lot of those. The other night, I think I forget, I was talking with Kyle on our last episode about it, but big open ice hit. Uh, that I think oh, it was with the Islanders right after uh Pajot came there. Someone someone was involved in a hit and, and Peugeot went Truba. and fought. Truba, yeah. So uh yeah. that was that that hit right there is exactly what I'm talking about. I saw that and was like, Oh my goodness, that's why I watch hockey. Uh <laughs> yeah, that, was
0: a, that was a great hit. It was driving me nuts listening to the announcers talking about how he should be suspended and that's the uh, that was a great hit.
1: That yeah, great hit. That reminded me of the uh I want to say it was 06 first round of the playoffs with Brian Campbell hitting RJ Umberger almost in the same spot. It was just yes. absolutely yes. punishing. Um sec- yep. second play, uh stretch pass from a defenseman, uh especially one of that to to a player kind of at the opposing blue line who is barely able to keep himself on sides and then scores uh on a breakaway. That's an, such an exciting play and uh we saw eric carlson do it a lot uh especially when he was with the senators I, I remember specifically uh that playoff series against the bruins a few years ago that the senators won carlson just he was like throwing hail mary's back from behind his own goal line and connecting with his forwards yeah. it was unbelievable yeah. um and then uh, the power play one-timer from the Ovi spot, either Ovi or Pasternak, just the top of the circle right in the wheelhouse and you can't even see the puck leave the stick and then just either hits the crossbar and and goes in the net. Those are my three favorite to see. How about yours?
0: Um, Yeah, I think those are are great
1: picks. Feel free to copy mine too. No, I don't
0: know. I One play that I like that you've kind of um, seen—it's kind of like come into prominence the last few weeks, and you've seen it happen kind of a multiple times. And it's only because, like, I don't know, hockey, especially on the the power play. Yeah, I mean, there's these guys are all like creative, but it's just it's hard to come up with new. New stuff to do so when guys start doing this play on the power play when uh, they kind of establish body position on the uh, near side post and get the the feed down from the half wall to their forehand and then flip it between their legs and go uh, kind of go drag the puck between their legs and then go far side. Oh. Uh, shot. But I've seen it like two or three times and that's just Kind of mind-boggling skill and and creativity, and just see. I, but it's funny how when one person does it, then other people it's such a it's such a copycat league, and, and guys are just um. You know, there's just so much skill out there. It's insane, and just so once one guy does, did it, now you've seen it two or three or four times. So I think that's been cool. Um, a neat play, but for me, I always like the. Uh, I always appreciated one. I was just kind of cruising the the highlights of the last few games. And um, if you think of the Ducks, uh, overtime winner against Colorado and they, they uh, have a big win against the Penguins, then drop a tough one against the Devils. um, And then to go into Colorado, uh, it was a tough place to play. You're always like, I always feel like you can't breathe for the first half of the game. That altitude is brutal. Um, But to see uh, the star centerman come back on the back check, I always love when forwards came back on like an unbelievable back check and to see Getzy come flying back and uh, lift the guy's stick on a breakaway and eliminate the scoring chance and go back the other way. And, uh, Raquel score the winner with the second left. Man, as a defenseman, I always loved love when the forwards uh, uh, they didn't always do that. With forwards, I was looking for offense, but when they uh, you know put the head down and do an unbelievable uh, hard back check like that, and see the your star and captain come and do that—that that was uh, awesome to see. So I always love seeing that as a defenseman, and then. Uh, I don't know. I a lot of respect for the stretch pass too. Uh, there was another real good one the other night uh, when Zibanejad had the five goals uh, on his OT winner. It looked like a just a spin around uh, slap shot. I think it was Panera and just rifled one up the middle and another one. You don't realize how good the pass was till you see a different angle and he just kind of zipped it between about three sticks right on Zivinijad's tape, who goes in and gets his fifth of the game. So I love a good stretch pass, but I also uh, have a lot of respect for, uh, you know, the subtle breakaway moves, one of which I could never master. I always tried it in practice and felt like an idiot because I could never do it and just look so dumb. But that that stupid move where you come down uh, at full speed, and it looks so easy, and you just gotta kind of make that subtle move, and then get the goalie moving, and then just slide it uh, between his legs. Oh yeah! I, I always come down. The goalie would just stand there, and I just put it right on his stick that was on the ice. They're <laughs> like, "What? What were you trying? To, what are you doing?"
1: <laughs> that's the um, that's the Kucherov, right? Or is that there's somebody somebody who's been doing that a lot? Uh, <laughs> that's you know?
0: next level, man. The Kucherov—that's next level, but. Uh, but yeah, just the old school, like, you kind of fake the shot, pull it to your backhand, need a little speed. Maybe that was my problem. I didn't have enough speed coming in, but you kind of, like, almost a little leg kick. Um, you kind of fake the forehand shot and pull it to your backhand, and then slide it uh, right between the legs. It's a simple move that I could never get, so
1: <laughs> respect pull that one on. Um, and talking about that back check play, talking about it, you're mentioning in overtime, uh, watching the uh, the Bruins Flyers game that was on tonight uh, on NBC, check out the Charlie Coyle back check on the two on one that he had uh, to stop a, a, a pretty much a two on zero uh, for the Bruins. I mean for the Flyers, it was a pretty. I mean a pretty spectacular play. I mean he did this. He did the the slide from head first from behind the play and and managed to catch up and break up the play. So check that out uh, when you get a chance. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I gotta check that out for sure. A slide that
1: worked out. A slide that worked out, but it was more of like a dive, just an all out like sell out no, the yeah. last possible chance and it worked out perfectly. So um yeah, if you get a chance, watch that highlight it. Anything else you wanna add or we're all I think we're all good. Uh
0: I think that's it for me. Yeah,
1: that's great. All right. Sounds good. Well that'll do it for episode twenty four of the Flying the Anaheim Ducks Podcast. As always you can find me on Twitter at Delhi Tweets or on Instagram as the at Delhi Media. Uh, and Kent, you can find on Instagram at husk under dash V E R N A, or you can always find him usually uh, working behind the counter at Huskins coffee in Santa Ana. So thanks a lot for listening. Thanks, Kent. I hope you have a good night.
0: All right. Thanks at And Shout out to the uh, Maple Leafs uh, scouting staff that came into the coffee shop. That was awesome. Appreciate it. They just said they, uh, wanted to come in to support, so that was uh, nice of them to stop by when they were
1: in town, so shout out to those guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like
0: you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.